Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And one of the key pillars for Living Abundant that Living Strong was founded on um, is relationships. And the second is mental health and wellness. And this is an opportunity the entire month of December. Our focus is on how we can utilize healthy relationships to allow us to also be in, in a healthy mental place. And I think I asked our guest for this episode to be first because what we talked about in preparation for this episode is that your relationship with yourself is the foundation for all of the other relationships that you encounter. And the beauty of our conversation is one in which it's an opportunity um, for access, for healing, for a journey of greater awareness and presence. And um, it's cutting edge uh, technology that I, I have been intrigued um, to know more about. So let me introduce you to our guest for this episode. Dr. Benjamin Alouf is a board certified pediatrician and the chief medical officer at Limbix. Dr. Alouf has over two decades of experience in oversight and execution of clinical programs and policies both in direct patient care as well as in the managed care environment. He has held leadership positions in large hospital organizations and held plans bringing together varied internal and external stakeholders in order to lead change and improve value in healthcare delivery. He has held faculty positions at prominent academic institutions and completed a Master of Business Administration in Healthcare Management. Before joining Limbix, he served as the Chief Medical Officer at Aetna Better Health of Pennsylvania. And I'm excited to jump into this conversation on really beginning to unpack the mental health journey for adolescents through digital therapeutics. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lou. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to kick off this month. Uh, it's a great topic, great discussion. I love your show. I listen to your episodes. I love the diversity and variety of guests and topics uh, from entrepreneurship to mental health to physical health. Uh, and I love the fact that you put it all together and really show how the different parts do fit like a puzzle to create a very dynamic and wonderful picture for an individual. Yes. So thank you. Oh, thank you for that feedback. I appreciate it. Sometimes when you put things together, you never know how it's translated. Right. So I appreciate that. This topic I've been excited about uh, all week mm -hmm. and have already been receiving inboxes and messages. And so it is uh, an important topic because 
so many youth are struggling um, before the pandemic, but even more since the pandemic. And I wanna really jump right into the meat of the conversation. And one of the first questions is, why is reconciliation, reconnection and support important for a healthy internal mental state? The reason for that is, and especially what I see in youth, is that they don't, they have certain behaviors or certain feelings and they can't identify or reconcile well, why they're having these feelings. Um, they can't voice it, they can't categorize them. Uh, you know, an adolescent, they're very concrete thinkers, they're not abstract thinkers. And unless they have somebody who can help guide them through that thought process and explain to them how certain behaviors are engaging in are affecting their mood, and conversely, how certain how their mood may be affecting their behavior, they really can bring that to light. And they think maybe there's something wrong with them. Maybe they're, you know, a lot of kids are suffering from certain mental health conditions and they are not doing well in school. Mm -hmm. And so they're being put in the back of the class or they're being excluded from certain activities when indeed identifying that they have a mental health condition that requires help and support is not appropriately identified. And, and that's what we see. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, you know, before the pandemic, we had an issue. Uh, the pandemic has really, uh, you know, kind of uh, unroofed the, the situation and has made things um, much worse. Uh, we know that mental health conditions have increased by 50%. We know that uh, visits to emergency rooms for suicidal uh, attempts and even suicidal ideation have increased dramatically. Um, we know that suicide is the second leading cause of death in adolescence. Uh, and so it's really become a national emergency. And that's not just my words. It's the words of the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's um, our Surgeon General has made an advisory statement to that effect. They're really in a crisis situation. Um, you know, we, we kind of took uh, a population and a generation of children and we, we said, you know, you need to stop being in front of your screen. You need to stop being on your phone. You need to be out and socializing. And then in one fell swoop, we locked them up in their rooms and said, don't leave your room. You need to be in front of your screen. You can't be with your friend. And, you know, we're pack animals. We need to we need each other. And we took that away. Um, and without that interconnectivity with other kids and with adults in their in their life that can identify certain behaviors and say, hey, maybe you're this is depression. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe this is anxiety. We've really come to this situation today. And so that internal connection, them being able to recognize for themselves what the internal sensations are telling them, what the internal narrative might be telling them, it's important for them to be able to make those connections for themselves. And am I also hearing how external connections are also vital to that equation? Correct. So, yes, definitely the internal connections, identifying in themselves, but they don't have the tools to do that. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have somebody who has been through it or has experienced something to that effect or is trained to identify these things. It, explaining to them what you're doing or the way you're behaving may indicate that you have depression, anxiety, or s some other condition, and here's how you can be helped. It's, it's you know, what is wrong with me? Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, so... Uh, and then externally, yeah, so just in, in April, uh, you know, the Centers for Disease Control published a study, you know, 
exposing, uh, for lack of a better word, the, the increase in the mental health conditions amongst children. And one of the things that they did identify is that children who had connectedness uh, with school or with others, even virtually, even virtually, because this was done during the pandemic, um, had lower rates of uh, depression and feelings of sadness and hopelessness um, and decreased sense of uh, suicidal ideation or even uh, suicide attempts. Um, and so that that is why it, it is so important. Again, the pandemic, we removed them from those opportunities. And it's really incumbent upon us to to help guide them back into it. Mm-hmm. And it's not so simple as as you know the the literal and figurative lifting of the mask uh, and sending them back to school. What's actually being identified, and and if there are teachers out there, I'm sure they're experiencing it. And you're obviously an educator, so I'm sure you're mm-hmm. seeing it as well. Um, it, that it it's not so easy as oh we'll all send them back to school and everything will be great. Well, some of these kids missed you know. A quarter of their life. Yes. Uh, you know, two years is a long, long time, time when you're six or eight. Mm-hmm. Two years of your high school, that's half of your high school. Um, they're not coming back and everything is hunky-dory and it's as if nothing happened. A lot of them having, again, I'm sure I'm, you know this already, but and you, you're seeing it and experiencing it yourself uh, in your profession, but they're really having a difficult time adjusting. Yes. So tell us about digital therapeutics and how how do they work and what type of potential impact can they have on the needs that young people have? Um, so digital therapeutics, uh, uh, unlike wellness or health apps, uh, are actually um, uh, software as a medical device is the technical term, and it is uh, providing therapy through digital means. Uh, and what separates them again from wellness or other health apps is they actually have to pass through uh, a regulatory agency in order to be able to market themselves. And in order for them to specifically state that they either treat, uh, prevent, or mitigate or manage a specific condition. Um, and in our country, the the agency is FDA, and it's actually an FDA, becomes an FDA uh, regulated product. Um, and there are a handful of products out right now uh, to manage uh, attention deficit. Uh, SparkRx uh, is for, uh, you know, we, we are producing that product for depression. Uh, there's pro- there are products for uh, substance use disorder. And what it does is it gives you a, from SparkRx perspective, it's what a therapist would provide for you uh, in face-to-face therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, or the behavioral activation component of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what works in adolescence. It's the most commonly used psychotherapy is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, again, because they're concrete thinkers. So mm-hmm. it goes over what we call the track model, trigger response avoidance pattern, uh, identifying uh, that there are certain triggers, and then you then engage in certain uh, behaviors that are avoidant and cycles back to worsening your mood um, and tries to create uh, coping mechanisms so that that trap uh, becomes a track, TRA, so trigger response and alternate coping mechanisms. And there's gamification and so forth. And the nice thing about it is that it's not intended to be used uh, without a therapist or without a provider. It's meant to be adjunct, as we say, therapy. Um, But in a lot of respects, it allows the teen to work independently and autonomously and on their own time. 
and in their own comfort zone so that they may not be you know, comfortable expressing or talking to an adult. A lot of teens don't like talking Very to an true. adult about, yeah, about their problems. So it allows them to create, there's, there's a relational agent, a little, what we call it, a limbot that kind of walks them through. Uh, you move tiles around to identify how some of the events that you may have experienced resulted in certain behaviors that were, um, you know, created a non-adaptive pattern. And then it shows them how to engage in activities and has them scheduling activities uh, that will benefit and will help their mood. And, and you know, we're very cognizant of uh, screen time, you know, yes. and we hear a lot about social media causing that. And, you know, we can get into that <laughs> maybe, right? That's a whole other talk. Uh, but the goal is really for the teen to use it for about three or five minutes a day mm -hmm. um, to learn, mm -hmm. uh, to take a lesson from it. And then to go out into the world and engage in the activities. So okay. they identify, um, you know, uh, behaviors uh, that improve their mood mm -hmm. based on either a value system or things that they prefer to do. Mm -hmm. And then it says, okay, now we know, you know, pick, picks, uh, pick an activity uh, that's of value to you, spending time with your family. Let's talk about how you're going to do that. And let's walk step by step. Now, to those who, who are not depressed, that may come intuitively, oh, I know what I got to do if I want to hang out and have dinner you know, with my family. But if you're depressed and if you're a teen and you're struggling with this and, and you, you're not quite sure, this helps and guides you through it. So it sounds like there's an, there is a component that really customizes it to the teen and it allows them to begin to recognize when there's um, either a thought or a sensation that some I'm heading in the wrong direction and it gives them an opportunity to make a different choice. That's Can correct. you tell me what do you hope parents begin to understand about digital therapeutics? Um, I think the first thing we do, and a lot of this is uh, education, and it's not just uh, parents and, and kids, it's also uh, doctors, providers, mm -hmm. and even legislators, is that, um, you know, they're not wellness or health apps. They're not kind of off-the-shelf products. Uh, these are products that are FDA-regulated. Uh, they have to show efficacy and safety mm -hmm. in order to get that, you know, stamp of approval. Um, they are, you know, sort of a point solution. You know, they, they will direct treatment to a specific uh, diagnosis. Um, you know, the, it's, it's something that would be great for patients. You know, patients always ask, uh, or the parents ask, can I see what my kid is doing in the app? Uh, the answer is no, they don't see it. But we also provide patient materials and education and parent materials and education uh, because, you know, you need that outside influence mm -hmm. and support and the parent is part of that treatment or the caregiver in the household right. is part of that treatment uh, paradigm. Mm -hmm. uh, so we let the teen work within the app on, on their own, but we also, you know, and, and also we want the provider to work with the parent and the teen, um, you know, through that therapy mm -hmm. uh, and through that support. And, and to know that, uh, you know, it, it really is a different modality than some of the other products that may not necessarily be regulated, 
they're not uh, they don't have to follow strict you know HIPAA guidelines and and uh, you know sort of um, patient protection act in terms of information sharing and things like that. Mm -hmm. So if you're a digital therapeutics, you have to follow all those uh, government regulations in order to be on the market as a product. So how can an adolescent or a family gain access? to Sparks RX? So um, one of the ways to do it, so because it is a, right, you know, because it's a product that needs to be uh, given through a provider, they, uh, they can, the provider may already be aware of it. We have about 160 or 70 providers that are signed up for it. We've had about 600 kids already on it since, since last year when we launched it. Um, they can go to uh, SparkRx, uh, S-P-A-R-K-R-X.com. Uh, they can read about it, uh, and they can also bring materials to their provider and say, hey, uh, are you familiar with this? Uh, and then what the provider does is they sign up with us. They get an access code. Uh, the provider gets an access code. And then when they see a teen uh, with uh, depression, uh, they can uh, have the teen download the app. And they give the teen the access code that's unique to that provider. And then the provider can actually get information from the app about how that's the patient, yeah, how the patient's doing clinically, um, and, and as well as how much the patient is engaging with the app. Because mm. obviously, if you're not using it, <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to work. It can't help you. <laughs> yeah. But, but the beauty of it is, and, you know, I, ha having been a practicing clinician, and when I uh, pitched this to uh, to clinicians, I don't know if there are psychologists or, or uh, pediatricians or other uh, mental health providers out there. Is you know when was the last time you diagnosed a patient in your office? You offered them a therapy that they started using right there in your office. And then you, when they went home, you could actually monitor whether they're using it, how they're using it, and how they're responding to it. And not only that, if you're a provider, you can download it yourself and play with it. And you can see how it works. So, you know, when I used to see patients, I'd write a prescription. I didn't know what happened. Right. And, and I didn't use most of the things that I would prescribe right. a patient. So if they said, hey, I'm, I'm feeling this, or, okay, I don't, I'm not taking that medication. I can read what the insert says. But so it's really, um, and this is where digital therapeutics are headed and, you know, in, in that direction. And it's really a unique opportunity for patients to benefit from something that, you know, we haven't seen and, you know, until just a few years ago. And it's really powerful for me that you started off by a including, although the parents can't necessarily see what the adolescent is doing in the app, there's an element that helps them understand how um, Sparks RX actually works and mm -hmm. is working. And they can actually look for whether or not the adolescent is getting up and doing the elements. Mm -hmm. You're helping the young person become more aware about themselves and then continuing to loop in community by connecting the physician to it as well for future feedback, follow-up, all of that. So right. it's really a comprehensive approach. We talked about in the, um, we were at an event together and we started a conversation around recognizing that in the pandemic, 
um, being an educator who um, sits on the board of Black Women's Education Alliance, I'm often called uh, into communities that are marginalized, that have reduced access to care, and actually um, have a low um, trust level of healthcare systems. How would you say um, use the access to digital therapeutics could impact or support marginalized communities? So, you know, we, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, we do get questions from school districts who, mm -hmm. who want to use it. Um, you know, so uh, right now, um, SparkRx, it, it's not FDA cleared. We're running a clinical trial right now, and we'll be submitting the data to the FDA to get it cleared. We're operating right now under this is very technical, but <laughs> the enforcement policy of the FDA that allows you to commercialize uh, uh, digital products that treat psychiatric conditions during the public health emergency. Um, but a lot of people, but so we're able to commercialize it prior to clearance. And, and so we are, uh, a lot of schools are coming to us. A lot of um, uh, uh, community health centers are coming to us uh, because it's, it's simple to use. Uh, you don't need broadband access. So, you know, it, it, it's something that a teen, uh, unless the once a week, what we call the, the check-in, mm -hmm. where they uh, document uh, their symptoms mm -hmm. on a weekly basis, they really can use it offline. It also doesn't require uh, iOS or Android systems that are the latest and greatest. Um, so it makes uh, access much easier. It's also very discreet in a lot of communities. Mental health conditions are stigmatized. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and teens are afraid to to confront. So, you know, we have stories of, of uh, we have, you know, one particular story that began uh, about a year or two ago when we were running our first trial. And there was a, a, a an adolescent who um, was living uh, with a, a single mom and, and uh you know, during the pandemic, came uh, became extremely withdrawn. Uh, had a great relationship with the mother, and then became withdrawn um, in the room uh, the whole time. Uh, and the mother happened to have seen our study online, our first study. Uh, enrolled uh, enrolled him in the study, and just we what we talked about earlier. Uh, he he's like, oh, what I'm feeling could be depression mm -hmm. and oh and I'm moving these tiles around and I'm making I'm st it's starting to help me make sense of my own feelings right now and now I see what's going on and he went from I don't know what's going on I just want to be in my room and I don't want to talk to anybody right now to actually uh, you know going to his mom and saying hey I, I think I'm depressed can you get me help you know, mm. so it can overcome that stigma, but that is an, an issue. You know, we know that in um, a lot of communities, um, you know, when we talk about uh, the statistics about depression and suicidality, I mean, these are general numbers, but multiply it by three to five times. And those are the LGBTQ communities. Those are the BIPOC communities, you know, they're, you know, uh, non-white communities. So it, it, it's even worse. Um Part of it is because there isn't enough screening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we really need to be screening more. And uh, there is advocacy now to screen in the schools, as I'm, as I'm sure you know. Uh, and then uh, therapy is not available. Like, mm -hmm. we don't have right. enough therapists. Literally. Yeah. And, Literally. Yeah. It's, and, and although, you know, telehealth, it was a great solution, um, we're still lacking enough providers to even provide, you know, the telehealth. Um, so, you know, you add the fact that not enough kids are being screened, 
they're not seeing their providers, even when they are being screened and identified. Um, there's a stigma. You know, it, it's not great for a kid who, who says, I can't go to practice today because I have to go see my therapist. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot. That's a mm-hmm. lot, mm-hmm. you know. For an adolescent, especially recognizing um, how important their social status is with right. their peers. Yeah. Absolutely. Dr. Aloof, this has been an uh, amazing first segment, and we're at the point where we're getting ready to have our first break. And listeners, listen in. Uh, We are going to share Limbic's um, commercial around Spark RX and how to access it. But we're going to continue this conversation, continuing to dig into understanding stigma, understanding digital therapeutics. And we want your questions. Feel free to call in. And if you're in our Facebook community, post those questions in the comments for Dr. Aloof, and we will try to get them answered when we come right back from this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The mental health crisis is real. Nearly one in three youths experiencing major depression are not receiving any mental health treatment. At Limbix, we are on a mission to make mental health treatment accessible to the 13 to 22-year-olds that need it most when they need it most. Our digital therapeutic Spark RX is the first evidence-based treatment for adolescent depression that delivers a multi-week program based on cognitive behavioral therapy directly to the patient's smartphone. Did we mention it's free? Join Limbix in empowering teens on their mental health journey. To learn how to talk to your physician and more, visit sparkrx.com. SparkRx is a digital therapeutic intended to provide a neurobehavioral intervention, cognitive behavioral therapy, behavioral activation, in patients 13 to 22 years of age. As adjunct treatment for symptoms of depression, SparkRx has not been cleared by the US FDA. SparkRx is not for emergency use. SparkRx is not meant to be used as treatment without supervision of a healthcare provider. SparkRx is not meant to be a substitution for any treatment or medication. SparkRx does not address concerns of active suicidal ideation with intent. Complete SparkRx safety information can be found at sparkrx.com. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. 
To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. We have been having a conversation about adolescent mental health. It's their journey and its connection to digital therapeutics and the opportunity to help them uh, better understand their internal narrative connected to external connections and relationships and become very strategic and intentional in and empowered in their own healing journey. Just before we uh, took our last break, Dr. Aloof was talking about the opportunity to use Spark RX um, for adolescents within marginalized or minority communities, recognizing it's an opportunity to gain better access. But we had a question from one of our listeners, and Lucy said, How long is Sparks RX intended to be used? Is it long term or short term? Uh, so right now, the way that it's designed is um, it's a it's five levels. Uh, each levels each level it takes about a week to complete. Uh, but if a if a teen is offered it uh, by by their provider, they get a total of seven week access to it. Um, we are working on other options. Um, you know, we're we're constantly refining and improving the product. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we get feedback both from users, um, patients who use it, as well as providers. Um, we're looking to see if certain components can be, um, you know, last longer or there can be a continuation. Because as we know, it's not a, you know, it's not a 10-day course of antibiotics and you're treating, right? It's a relapsing, remitting, and, and you know, you want to you go back to the resources that you may have, um, you know, achieved and, and may have learned and may have uh, retained, uh, but want to maybe do, you know, check up on it again. So, so we're looking at that opportunity as well. I was curious because, you know, healing isn't a linear, right. nice, neat little process. So when they've gone through a particular level, they can actually go back and repeat that level again? Yeah. So uh, right now, the way it's designed, it's through a gated program. So you have to you know, go th uh, step by step. So it starts off with a psychoeducational component, teaches you how um, mood affects behavior and, uh, you know, behavior affects mood, just like we were talking about, has them identify uh, behaviors and how different behaviors and how they affect their mood. And then, you know, different levels uh, teaches them how to go about and engage in activities and give them mastery in activities and give them agency. Um, there's also a little wellness component, grounding exercises, um, there's a relapse prevention uh, section at, at the end. So, so it's very structured. Um, and, and so, and it's designed to be as what you would get through a therapist. Mm -hmm. But again, we continue, continue to refine it because as you know, with a therapist, you may skip around a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, mm -hmm. and it, it's quite interesting, you know, we have, uh, one of the, the nice things that providers like with using it is that, uh, we actually have about a quarter of our users are either counselors or psychologists. 
Um, and what they like to do is to meet with their patients and say, okay, what level are you on and what module are you doing? Tell me about it. And it mm -hmm. becomes integrated into the therapy as opposed to having them go out and then come back and have to report something on paper or something like that. Here they can actually experience in a way what they may have done and also see because the app is feeding to them, you know, which level and which module they're in. And that, you know, so it, it's very integrative that way. So we've been talking about we and they. So tell our listeners a little bit more about Limbics, who you are sure. um, and, and the organization as a whole. Sure. So, um, you know, the company started, I've, only, I've been there since July of to, uh, 2021. Companies started uh, in 2016 first as a virtual reality uh, company. Um, uh, the two founders, uh, Ben and John, were making products uh, with other wonderful people that are that are still with us here uh, at, at the company now. Uh, that uh, therapists were using virtual reality to simulate uh, events uh, for their patients in the office. So, um, you know, in terms of uh, for anxiety disorder or PTSD or something like that. So, the the therapists would sit with a with a tablet and simulate an activity. And then the patient would sit with the VR glasses in their office. And the therapist uh, said, this is great. It's super helpful. But what do I send a patient home with? Yes. You know, it's clunky. Yes. It's not convenient. It's not particular. I mean, it's portable, but it's not very portable. So um, they said they, they pivoted it and they said, well, uh, I believe it was around 2019. They said, well, how do we take what a therapist would do in their office and convert it into a software? Uh, into into a digital therapy, and um, they they got together, uh, I believe, with the Colorado Institute of Innovation, uh, University of Colorado, and they basically translated uh, psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, into uh, in a, you know into an integrative uh, app. And they did a, you know, we did a study, or they did a study, and it improved uh, depressive symptoms in teens just as a standalone. Then they followed up with another study comparing it to a sham app. Uh, both performed well, because as we know, just telling a teen, right? I mean, there's a huge placebo effect in, in treatment of depression, especially in teens. Uh, but 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 in the what we call the you know per protocol analysis, it, it, the app performed better than just telling a teen what depression is and you know and and giving them resources. The, so so prove that that behavioral activation that that active ingredient delivered digitally does make a difference. Mm. So so you shared initially one um, example of how awareness for a youth actually brought it full circle for him to come back to his mom, who he already had a good relationship with, to mm -hmm. then continue to um, further his healing journey with um, seeing a physician. Are there any other stories that you can share with us on how the the product has been impacting young people? So actually there was just, uh, so like I was saying, we do uh, user research and, and we reach out to users and see how they're doing. And I, I just wrote down some notes, uh, one that we just got uh, this week. Um, where a teen mentioned that they've learned or at least remembered something about uh, how to manage their uh, mental health in reporting to us, um, you know, their their effect, you know, use of the app. Uh, they said that they were feeling less anxious in the past few weeks uh, than they had in the past several months. Mm -hmm. 
uh, it's interesting. They say they can't say it was the app uh, for certain uh, that led to it, but they've definitely noticed themselves becoming more mindful uh, on how to react to situation that caused them stress. And they think that it can be contributed to the app. And, and that's fine with me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's, a, I mean, for me to have a teen who is reacting to certain things that's not productive, it's not conducive to their own uh, well-being, using our app and then coming back and saying, I'm doing things a little bit differently that mm -hmm. are a little bit better for me personally. I'm not sure if it's the app or not. Okay. That's okay. Good. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. That's good. And just the 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 when you shared earlier, the young person going back to his mom and having the language to say, "I think I'm depressed." There, when you shared that, there was a moment for me like, "Wow, that young person was empowered with language and awareness that." He may not necessarily have received from his teens who, or even how it may have turned on him and tried to dismiss it. And as young people are able to become more aware and empowered, there's such an opportunity for whether they attribute it to the app or not, they're changing. They're changing. When I think about what's happening um, with our young people specifically. So I know that the show is global, but we are here um, just outside of Philadelphia and a lot is happening with our adolescents and our youth. How would you say, as you think about what's going on with um, young people, how are teens um, in communities like Philadelphia being adversely affected by just the conditions of coming out of the pandemic and what they're struggling with. Boy, yeah. I mean, it's, um, you, you know, emergency rooms are, are full with kids that are uh, have suicidal ideation or, or you know, suicide uh, attempts. I, I'm not sure what the numbers are, uh, you know, at, at, at CHOP and so forth. I know University of uh, Colorado Children's Hospital declared a state of emergency in May of 2021, mm -hmm. saying they don't have beds for physical health patients because of all the behavioral health. They just republished, uh, you know, just recently saying nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the resources just aren't there. It, it's it's devastating. Mm -hmm. uh, I can imagine that the, ch uh, you know, Children's Hospital here and, and as well as other hospitals are experiencing uh, very similar things. And, and you know, it is a global uh, issue. It's, mm -hmm. it's not just in the U.S. So it's I'm glad to, uh, that globally we're we're, uh, you know, broadcasting because they're experiencing the same thing. There's also an interest in in um, in these digital therapeutics. Uh, you know, it, it you know, the, the 9% of teens, uh, you know, attempting suicide, that used to be the number of teens that were diagnosed with depression, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So, um, you know, and, and, and like I was saying earlier, we need to screen and we need to have resources for treatment. Uh, we need to identify um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's, a lot of these uh, successful suicides are also uh, with handguns. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, yes. handguns are, you know, are, are a, uh, somebody taking their own life. 
uh, you know, these suicides are with uh, with handguns, and that, and that's a you know that's a big issue, and it's a big issue uh, in our community. I mean, thirty seven percent of I was just reading the other day, thirty seven percent of handgun deaths are are suicides. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a very uh, unfortunate lethal means. Um, so we're experiencing that. Um, yeah, it's it's devastating. And, you know, that what brought me to Limbics in the first place is just, you know, I was working elsewhere. I was working for a health plan and um, I saw what was going on. And, uh, now, you know, with my own family, peers, uh, friends and, and their kids. And, you know, I just felt like, you know, we need to do something. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's not this is untenable. And, and it, like I said, a year ago, we were declaring it an emergency and nothing is, you know, nothing is changed a whole lot. So I want to make sure at the top of the hour, you shared that um, digital therapeutics are not like the the wellness apps. And you've outlined some very specific ways um, that it can be used. But I want to make sure our listeners understand what does Spark RX actually treat mm-hmm. and who can actually use it? Okay, great. So like I said, you know, we're not, uh, SparkRx is, it's not a cleared product. We are going through the process now, uh, but it is available uh, through the enforcement policy of the public health emergency. Uh, Providers sign up and, uh, you know, we've had people come up to me or or, uh, email us, uh, info at limbics.com, requesting information to bring to their providers. The provider simply signs up. Uh, we confirm that it's them. They get an access code, and then um, the provider can start offering it to their patients. And uh, you know, if they identify uh, a child with depression in in uh, in their office, they can have them download the app and give them an act because you need an access code to actually mm-hmm. use it. You can't you know just download it. And right now, it's at no cost to to the patient or the provider as we're working through that. Uh, enforcement policy. We just want people to start using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe it's a benefit. Uh, our preliminary studies show that it is. Um, and so that's why it's it's at no cost. So it's just a matter of providers signing up, getting an access code. They see a patient with depression. They have them download the app. They give them the access code and the child, uh, teen, adolescent can start using it. But most importantly, we want it to be a, you know, to work together with what other therapy or other you know, whether it's through a school counselor, through their family physician or pediatrician, and certainly familial involvement and, and caregiver involvement is is critical. And what's the actual age range that um, the product is best for? Uh, 13 to 22. That's yeah. that's our, uh, you know, that's our age range for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at uh, Latoya's question, and she's an elementary school educator, and she um, says, says, we're noticing more behaviors in children as young as seven years old in our schools, and teachers are not equipped to handle the changes where we're, uh, we're occurring post-pandemic. How can we share this information with staff so adults become more aware of ways to properly communicate supports for students and parents? Yeah, I, I, the teachers. I mean, teachers are becoming mental health professionals, right? Uh, I mean, forced into it. Yeah, absolutely, in real time. Yeah, in real time situations. Um, and you know, God bless the educators out there because I mean, they got their hands full, mm-hmm. 
And like I was saying earlier, everybody thought everybody was going to go back to the classroom and learn math again. Mm -hmm. No, they're learning how to adjust. Yes. <laughs> they're learning how to interact. They're learning how to participate and, and be with other kids. Um, you know, so, so how can we share this information with staff so adults become more aware of ways to properly communicate support? For, I mean, there, there are support mechanisms out there. Um, you know, there are speakers that are willing to come out and speak. Uh, Dr. Jack I know, does a lot, does a lot of this and, and these types of, uh, you know, uh, broadcasts are, are very important. And, you know, like I was saying, we do get, uh, call outs from school districts that are, you know, they're managing children's mental health. Uh, I don't know. What is the, the, what is the ratio in, 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 uh, Philadelphia, one counselor for how many thousand oh, students thousands or something? Of students. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, how do you do that? Right. With the magnitude of need, I just think about the amount of pain that young people are, are experiencing mm -hmm. and the um, experiences of trauma before the pandemic. And you actually spoke to it as I coach and am working in schools. Teachers have to wear so many hats beyond just curriculum and being able to have conversations with educators, with counselors, with that there are resources that their children, their families can access um, that can begin to lift the veil off of the stigma that comes along with mental health because I, I love the gaming kind of aspect mm -hmm. of the app itself. And Lotoya asked a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. Is Spark RX a program used as an identifier of depression or a preventative measure for depression or a navigator through managing depression in a meaningful way? That's a great question because there are certain digitals that are uh, diagnostic digitals, mm -hmm. right? Um, so this would be uh, for, you know, so again, we're not cleared yet, but, you know, in terms of what we position ourselves at is, of uh, you know, for the treatment of adolescents with symptoms of depression. So it would be more on the treatment side of that question, rather. It's, it's not intended for diagnoses. Uh, it's meant once a patient has been diagnosed. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. So if we were in the ideal world, I'm wondering what impact is Limbix hoping to have with this product? I know you're not cleared yet. You're still in um, the phases of, of work, but what's the ideal? What's the hope um, from all of this work? Um, to, to, to get kids treated with where they're not getting treatment right now um to mm -hmm. see you know to bend the curve i mean mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not uh changing uh you know the the concept that once the pandemic is over and everybody's back together again and they're going to school and they're participating in thanksgiving and christmas and other activities everything is going to be great again it's just not happening we'd love to see that curve uh, we'd love to see part of the bend in that curve and see um, this this emergency situation dissipate. Uh, we're also working on other products, uh, you know, uh, in creating a pipeline uh, next up for anxiety, uh, but create products that are part of the armamentum for treating uh, mental health. Because, you know, I, I've been, I, I've 
first started training back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. We had a shortage of primary care providers. We had a shortage of mental health providers, especially amongst teens and especially amongst the Medicaid and and then just had recently the CHIP population. Um, and nothing's changed. It's, it's you know, and, and, and the truth is that uh, healthcare providers are leaving uh, the workforce. 300, you know, uh, you know, I forget the number, but, you know, it's uh, one out of five, you know, 20% mm-hmm. of healthcare providers uh, have left the workforce. 330,000, I believe, is uh, the last count of, of uh, providers that have left the workforce and something uh, like a fifth of those or a quarter of those our mental health providers. Mm-hmm. So we talk about building out um, the the uh, you know the care providers and putting people more th- you know through training and building out the workforce and that's great, but that's not happening tomorrow. Right. And these digital therapeutics are infinitely scalable. Whether you're giving it to ten kids or a hundred or a thousand, you're good. But, but if you have to provide uh, direct face-to-face mental health to 10 versus 100 versus 1,000 kids, like you need X number of mental health providers added on. And as you know, because you've gone through a lot of education, <laughs> it's, it's expensive mm-hmm. and it's time-consuming. So, you know, this is, um, this is a way to do it uh, more, more um, instantly and more, in a more timely fashion. Yeah. And as you talk about it being scalable, I continue to think about our earlier comments and reflections on how communities that um, are under-resourced have an opportunity to not only address the potential stigma because of the private nature of an app. I mean, how many people do you see looking at their phones? It it becomes very private, but intentional for the person. Mm -hmm. But it also allows an opportunity for um, communities that do not physically have quality mental health providers anywhere near them to begin to have access to quality resources through your products. Powerful. Yeah. I mean, the the average waiting time is what, four to six months? Yes. Uh, We've spoken to a large hospital organization where they have 800 uh, kids on a waiting list. I mean, that's how do you do that? Uh, We've spoken to folks in other states where it's up to 12 months in rural communities, there is no access. Um, you know, there, it, 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 it's, and it's not just psychiatrists, it's psychologists, it's counselors, it's other uh, mental health workers. So if you're diagnosed with depression in, in an office and you get a, a referral to go see a therapist and you have to wait four to six months, I mean, a lot of, a lot, that's, that's way too long. Uh, mm-hmm. At least you can get started on something uh, that is therapeutic mm-hmm. It may help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think about the, um, well, first of all, the amount of courage it takes to make the decision that I'm, I need help and I'm going to pursue it. And then to be told, well, you have to wait four months, then I've, I've lost the courage after four months. And, and how realistic will it be that I actually follow up? And going back to something you also shared, because I was having this conversation earlier within um, the early childhood programming, within K to 12 programming, now physicians, 
there are professionals who are just completely leaving their fields. And a part of the conversation I was having earlier is almost that endless, the feeling of this is endless and like, what am I doing? And that weight of not actually feeling like this is making a difference. And as you described at the top of the hour, how parents can be informed, young person can be informed, but also on the end of that, um, physicians can actually begin to track as well um, the impact of their decisions of how they're actually helping young people. So we have about three minutes left. Okay. I want to make sure people know how to follow you, how to follow Limbics. Sure. So what are your social media handles um, and how can they uh, find you? So um, the company is Limbics, uh, Limbics.com, uh, SparkRx, S-P-A-R-K-R-X.com is the product. Um, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Um, we can we can if we can post the social media uh, handles for I know we're on Twitter and I know yes. we're on Instagram. Um, I'm sure if you look up Limbics, you you'll find us. Uh, and it's great. We we have, um, you know, a good following. We want to provide people with education. We have webinars. Uh, we go to Capitol Hill to advocate for mental health and teens and access to mental health and teens. Uh, we participate in conferences and exhibits with providers. Uh, you know, we really want to bring this. Uh, it's new. Um, uh, there are a lot of questions, but we love to talk about it. We love to educate folks about it. Uh, there's a lot to learn, but you know, I, I tell people in the next few years and hopefully not too long, uh, this will be a, a standard of care. You'll, you'll go home and you'd be that you'll get a, a digital therapeutics to help you guide through your treatment journey. And honestly, it's not just mental health, whether you have eczema or asthma or diabetes or depression or anxiety. Part of your treatment will be to have something digital on your phone to help you carry through that treatment. Mm, the accountability and uh, support. Dr. Lou, thank you so much for this, this conversation. It has been meaty, and I encourage you to share this conversation with someone. There are so many families who have young people in need, and there's an opportunity for awareness, information, and access to a product that is making an impact. Um, and watching the work that they're doing as they move through their um is it certifications? Is it um, actually getting through the FDA process? So thank you, Dr. Lou. Thank you for lis uh, listening into another flip side of adversity conversation. Same time, same place next week, right here on the flip side. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.